0: Hey, it's Richie. And before we officially start the program, I want to tell you about DraftKings and the DraftKings app. If you go and you download the app right now and you use the promo code THPN at sign up, you can get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars Up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit. And of course, when you make that first deposit, it's about time to start putting together your lineups for baseball season. That's right. Baseball season is back. Your teams will be getting back out there on the diamond this week. Last season sure was different, but that doesn't mean elect excitement. And this year is poised to be even better. And DraftKings is the leader in one day fantasy sports, wants to give you a free shot at a share of millions of dollars. All you got to do when it comes to baseball is you're going to pick 10 players, stand to the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. Welcome back in Sporty Nation, as Corey would say, she is off tonight, so I'm doing the show solo, I haven't done this in a while, so this should be an interesting show as I get to talk about the Coyotes and other things all alone, I really wish I had Corey here with me because it was an exciting couple of games for the Coyotes against the San Jose Sharks. The Yotes are buzzing right now, everybody, and you you know that by now, right? Four wins in five games, sweeping sweeping the San Jose Sharks in pretty impressive fashion, outscoring them nine to two across the course of of those two games. And it's an exciting time here, and I think we should enjoy it because Corey and I have been so downtrodden on this show over the last month or so, because it. Was looking very bleak for this team for a while. They kind of seemed directionless. They didn't seem like they were performing like they should. It didn't seem like Rick Tocchet was getting the best out of his group, and things weren't really going good for the Coyotes. Oh, and yeah, both of their goaltenders are hurt, and they aren't going to be back in action for a couple more weeks. So, for the most part, like Coyotes fans, it's been a roller coaster of a season. And I have a feeling that's going to continue because the one thing I want everybody to keep in mind about those two games against the San Jose Sharks is remember who the Coyves were playing in those two games. And then you go even back further to a couple games earlier when they were playing the Anaheim Ducks, right? You're playing the two worst teams in the Western division and they did what they needed to do. And they picked up five, uh, what? Seven out of a possible eight points in those games. And that's what you need to do against bad teams. So, Coming out of these games against the Sharks, the most important part for me was that this team seemingly was able to build back their confidence. It's something that Corey and I talk about all the time on this show, is that this team, you can tell when they've lost confidence. You can tell when Clayton Keller in the past had lost confidence. And he would go on slides, and he he would go on really cold streaks, and... It seems like now Clayton Keller has kind of built back that confidence. Because you go and you look at his last five games. He had three points in that second game against St. Louis. He's got three, four, or excuse me, yeah, three, four, five, six points across his last five games. He is buzzing right now. Clayton Keller is back on a pace that is very similar to his his rookie season in fact he's basically just right there he's at 0.80 points per game which is just right where he was during his rookie season and that's a good thing that is to me that's what Clayton Keller can be as a player if he's playing at his best where during an 82 game season he's going to be putting up you know around 60 points a year but we really shouldn't be expecting much more from him so he's playing at his best hockey right now and he's confident again and you're seeing a confident, a new confidence up and down the Coyotes lineup, I think, right? Where you're starting to see guys play more consistently. You're starting to see them play better, right? In that first game against the San Jose Sharks on that Friday night game, you know, they were getting contributions. They had five goals in that game, and they were getting contributions not just from their, their top scorers, right, but they were getting – they were getting, you know, uh, they were getting an effort from some of their bottom scorers, too. And that's important. We know this team has to have that happen, right? Because, you know, they got goals. Um, they got They, got go- they got a goal from Dryden Hunt in that game, right? They got Christian Dvorak off the Schneid. They got Nick Schmaltz off the Schneid. And to me, that's the biggest takeaway from that Shark Series is that this team seemingly has a little bit of their confidence back right, they are now going to go on a long road trip where they're going to play some tough teams, obviously, they're going to go back and play um, the Colorado Avalanche, they have, um, you know, they have some tough games coming up, but now with this team having their confidence seemingly back, that's a good thing, and I want to see them continue that, because now they have a three-game win streak and I said this on multiple shows across the uh, course of the last month or so, like this team can string together five, six, seven game win streak. That would be enough to really vault them back into the playoff mix and back into playoff contention. Because you look at the standings right now in the Pacific Division, or excuse me, the the West Division, as we're calling it this year, I'm still stuck in my old ways, Sporty nation where I for I'm still calling it the Pacific. It's actually the Honda West Division this year. And we're seeing a race that is now developing into a mighty close race between three different teams now for that fourth position. You're looking at a St. Louis Blues team who is now two, five, and three across the course of the last 10 games. They only got one point out of four against the Anaheim Ducks, okay? Think about that for a second. The St. Louis Blues had to healthy scratch Mike Hoffman, who was maybe the biggest free agent on the market this past offseason. And they had to scratch him. The Blues right now are a mess. And the Coyotes are 4-4-2 over the course of their last 10 games, obviously winning their last three straight. And right now they're only a point back of St. Louis for that fourth spot in the division. And then chasing them just a little bit behind is the Los Angeles Kings, who have three games in hand on the Coyotes and are at 32 points on the season. And so you're looking at what is a close race. And so if the Coyotes can string together some wins in a a season where you're playing all these teams on a consistent basis, that's been my point for the last month, is that if they can string together a win streak and add up 10 points at a time, that's going to vault them right back into the contention. And... Here's my, here's my problem with that, which is, again, something that we've been talking about for a little bit now, which is we feel like both Corey and I and Scotty Toon, we had him on a recent episode, is that this team is in for a lot of changes this coming off season, With so many expiring contracts, with Bill Armstrong now at the helm, almost coming up now on a full season, you're going to be looking at a team – heading into a new division next year as they head to the Central, that is going to look a lot different, and that is going to need a lot of changes to its roster. And I want people to keep that in mind as we head in here into the second half of the season, is that I don't want Bill Armstrong to change his plans. I don't want this team to start thinking like they did last year, like John Chayka did last year, where all of a sudden they got this thought into their head that they needed to play for a championship right away. And they ended up trading that first-round pick to Buffalo to acquire Taylor Hall, and it fell flat on their face. Taylor Hall put up some points for the Coyotes, yes. They ended up making the playoffs, yes. They had that, they had that incredible series against Nashville, yes. But if the season wasn't short, they were going to miss the playoffs last year. A lot of that was due to the fact that Darcy Kemper went down with injury, but I think the Coyotes learned their lesson not to rush themselves. And so if I'm the Coyotes, and if you're a Coyotes fan right now, I want you guys to keep that in mind, too. As we head down the stretch here, yes, it would be cool if the Coyotes made the playoffs this year, right? If they snuck into that four seed in this kind of last hurrah for a lot of these players on the roster, if they're still around after the trade deadline, and that's still up in the air, and, and we don't know what's going to happen with that. But what's the point of making the playoffs if you're going to get crushed in the first round by a Vegas or a Colorado? What good does that do other than create more revenue for the Coyotes, which is a great thing? Unfortunately, if they do make the playoffs, I don't think the he- River Arena is going to be filled with very many fans. I hope that changes. It seems like we're on the right track, right, to have more fans in attendance at the tail end of the season as vaccinations roll out across the state of Arizona now to everybody 16 and over. But I want the Coyotes to keep their eye on the future. And to me, that's very important, right? I don't want the Coyotes to change their course of the next four or five years just for one one season or one first-round playoff exit, as they did last year. Because John Chaka made that mistake. He gave up that first-round pick. He gave up a decent amount to get Taylor Hall. And now it's biting him in the butt, right? They don't have a first-round pick again this year. And if I'm Bill Armstrong, if you're at the trade deadline, I still think this team are sellers at the trade deadline. I still think Bill Armstrong needs to try and get as many draft picks or something similar As he possibly can for some of these players with expiring contracts. And I still think he needs to listen on some of the the players who are under contract. You know, a Darcy Kemper. A a Connor Garland. As Corey and I have talked about. Right? You can see both sides of the coin there for why or why you would not trade either one of those guys. But that's that's my biggest takeaway from the last couple games is... It's fun, right? This team seemingly has kind of ride the ship somewhat now. But they can't lose track of the future of this team just because they just beat up on some really bad hockey teams. And so yeah, so we can celebrate all we want the resurgence of Phil Kessel, and that's another thing I wanted to talk about here on this episode. Is the play of Phil Kessel this year, and especially over the last several games, where he's found himself playing the best hockey we've seen him play in an Arizona Coyotes uniform, and like you can see out, he's smiling on the ice, he's playing well, and you know after the game on on Saturday in the post game press conference, he kind of was chalking a lot of his. His uh, his success to luck and, and obviously being back healthy. Because he now has, let me do the math here, four, six, seven. He's got eight points in his last five games now. And again, in those five games, the Coyotes won four times. Coincidence? I, th- I don't think so, right? Phil Kessel is playing... Like some of his best, you know, he's, he's playing, he's not playing like he was obviously on those championship Pittsburgh Penguins teams, but his points per game this year is 0.74. Last year it was 0.54. That's a vast improvement. And we've seen Clayton Keller, like I talked about earlier. He's improved quite a bit this year from last year. Phil Kessel's done the same. Can they both continue that? I hope so. We all hope so, that both of those players can continue this. But can they do it for 25 games to close out the season and continue at this pace? Probably not. And that's a reminder that the bottom six of this team, as Corey and I have talked about, over the last, you know, month or so, has <laughs> not been good, you know? we Lawson Kraus had some more great chances in that game against San Jose. He drew a penalty, hit another post, for goodness sake. But that's, like, the weakest part of this team this year is you've guys like Pitlicks and Drake Kajula and Johan Larson and Christian Fisher and Lawson Kraus, albeit some of these guys are really hard workers and they don't really take shifts off, and and they they make an impact in a way for fourth liners. But you still gotta have them contributing offensively. You just can't have them out there as 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 you would like bricks on your feet when you're sinking in the ocean, I guess. And and being and and not contributing because then you put too much pressure on your top six. And we see what happens when when your top six isn't contributing the Coyotes lose, right? And it's a weird combination. But again, congratulations Phil Kessel on getting your first hat trick as a Coyote. That was really fun to watch and, um, and much needed for the Arizona Coyotes, I think, to kind of have that offensive outburst that they've had over the last several games, you know, scoring nine goals and against the Sharks they scored that had that five goal game against Colorado so is it sustainable? that's going to be the biggest question I think we've seen over the long haul that it's not so I'm not I'm here to say pump the brakes I guess is what I'm trying to say in the first 16 minutes of this episode is just pump the brakes right this team is not as good as they were against the Sharks and they're not as bad as they are against as they were against some of those games against Colorado or Minnesota, right? They're the epitome of a, of a mediocre 500 team this year. But another topic I wanted to get to is the play of Aiden Hill. Now, just think about this for a second and the situation that he thrust himself into this year, where at one point this year, this season, in fact, the first time he saw action this year, I believe in relief. Right, he came in in relief of in a game, and and uh, yeah, yeah, he came in relief, I believe, on Toronto in that game against Anaheim. But it may have been Darcy Kemper, and it was his first action in over a calendar year in the National Hockey League, right? Because of the pandemic. He didn't get any ice time, obviously, in in the bubble in Edmonton. He was the third goalie coming in this year. He was on the taxi squad, so he wasn't going to play in the AHL like he has in the past. And then he comes in that first game, makes 14 of 14 saves, and the Coyotes win against Anaheim when they came back from three goals down in that game, if I'm not mistaken, right? That was one of those games. And all of a sudden, now... He's the number one guy for the foreseeable future here. Um, for for the next few weeks at least. Where cause we still don't know the status, like I kind of mentioned earlier of Darcy Camper and Auntie Ranta. Auntie Ranta seems to be the longer term issue, which is and Craig Morgan hinted at this in his article on Sunday, where he's he's not sure that Auntie is gonna play again in a Kyrie's uniform. That injury might be as might be that serious. And as far as Darcy Kemper is concerned, some reports up in Canada were hinting that he might be back before the trade deadline, and, and others are seemingly that it's, a, it's going to be a little bit longer than that. So Aiden Hill is going to be the Kyrie's goaltender for at least the next few weeks here as we move into the month of April. And he's been good. Like, he's putting up the best statistics he's put up in his career. And he's doing it this season, right? He's four three. And one this year. He's got a 244 goals against average and a 920 save percentage. He obviously had the shutout against the San Jose Sharks there making 34 saves on 34 shots. 17 of which came in that first period, which was absolutely ridiculous. The Coyotes got up to a really, really slow start in that period and on the second half of the back-to-back. an Aiden Hill stood on his head. And that performance in the first period essentially won the Coyotes the game, because it was they were able to weather of the storm. I tweeted this out at the time. The San, that was the best the San Jose Sharks were going to have to have to offer against the Coyotes, and all they had to do was just get out of the period and they would be fine. And they did, and they obviously ended up winning four to nothing. So Aiden Hill plays in back-to-back games, and he makes 54 saves on fifth on. Uh, on 56 shots over the course of two games back-to-back nights. And, you know, he was asked about playing back-to-back nights um, in the post-game press conference. And he was like, yeah, I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm ready to play. I felt fine, you know, and it didn't seem to faze him at all. In fact, I think he loved it. I think he loved playing on back-to-back nights like that. And it was a necessity because, you know, did you really want to throw Ivan Prosvitov into a game like that? He hasn't seen NHL action in a long, long time. He hasn't been off to the best start in the AHL either. So I think Rick Tuggan had no choice but to start Aiden Hill there. And Aiden Hill is going to play a lot coming up. And the way he's played this year has impressed me a lot. I know some people aren't as high on him as as others. And in the past, I probably would have said, well, he's not really an NHL starter. I think he's more of a, a guy who's going to back up. A lot of... Uh, he's going to be a really nice NHL backup for a lot of so for teams. But I think he's thrown his hat into the ring as a guy who, you know, is going to be a good goalie in this league and maybe a possible starter. Is he going to be an elite starter? No, but is he going to be a good starter on a team with a solid defense in front of him? Yeah, I think so. And Rick Toggy was kind of asked about Aiden Hill, I believe, after the Friday game. And, and, he, and he was just... It, love talking about Aiden Hill in terms of how far he's come and progressed as an NHL goaltender and kind of explaining how he was kind of wild and and in the crease uh, when he first came up. But he's really shown himself to be a, a nice goaltender. He's improved, which is what you want to see out of your goaltenders. And his performances against San Jose were terrific. And... So the Coyotes are very lucky that that is their third string goaltender this year in Aiden Hill. And that's a good thing for the Coyotes if they're Because kin- kin- we know, based on previous seasons, that that's how they were going to win games is with their goaltending. And it helps when you score four and five goals against the Sharks, but you're not going to get that every night. So if Aiden Hill can continue to play like he's playing, who knows? Maybe the Coyotes can go Again, on the road uh, in this road trip and steal some points from some teams in the in the very near future. So there you go. That's twenty minutes on the Coyotes by myself. I think I did pretty good there. You know, hitting the gamut, run the gamut of a bunch of things—the good and the bad about this team—and for the most part, very positive. Because for a while there, like I mentioned earlier on the show, a lot of uh, a lot of not-so-great news surrounding the Caddies, but the last couple of games, very, very positive, very fun to watch. And, again, I think, you know, can they sustain it? Can Phil Kessel, Clayton Keller, Christian Dvorak, Nick Schmaltz, can they sustain this hot streak for a little while longer and continue to build some points up on a struggling St. Louis team And, again, they're going to play the Kings coming up here in in another week or so here in, in the very near future and see if they can take advantage of that Kings thing to kind of build the gap on the Kings. So here's what's coming up this week for the Coyotes, in fact, is we have one more thing we want to talk about. I'm going to get to the sporty question here in just a second. But here's what's coming up for the Coyotes the rest of the week. they got one game against Colorado coming up on Wednesday. And then they continue on the road with Anaheim and L.A. for four games, two apiece. They continue on the road back to Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota. That's going to be a tough stretch there of, uh, of four games against Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota. But that's what's coming down the pike for the Coyotes. And I think against Anaheim and L.A., you're looking at four games there where, again, the Coyotes can make a dent. And they can put up some points against those, those two teams right there. So... Before we go here, and this is going to be a little bit shorter episode, because it's just me vamping for 25 minutes, it's not going to be another hour-long episode. like Because Cor- Corey and I, as you know, we just like to ramble for the most part. And hopefully I'm not doing too much of that here. Hopefully I'm making sense to you, Sporty Nation, as you're just listening to me kind of ramble on by myself for 25 minutes. But uh, Corey is going to be back later this week. on on the Thursday episode, I do believe. So let's wrap up the show with this. You know, every episode we like to try and get out a sporty question to our Sporty Nation listeners about a multitude of different topics. And, And this week, or on this episode, I wanted to pose the following question because on Saturday night the Coyotes won and it was the last game scheduled of the season for them to wear their purple reverse retro jerseys. Which they ended up having a winning record in, I believe, two two and one, right this year, in their uh, in their reverse retro jerseys. After a few games where they were they seemed like there was a curse on those jerseys. So I wanted to ask the Sporting Nation, which sports jersey is your all time favorite? And we got a few replies here at Corey underscore Richie Show on Twitter. We got one from State of Hoppy, of course, from the. Minnesota Wild Podcast on the network. And he is he's pandering to us, obviously, trying to schmooze us over. He he sent us a gif, of course, of the kachina, the normal black kachina jerseys, as his favorite sports jersey of all time, which I highly doubt. Great jerseys. I love the kachinas, but I didn't pick them as my all time favorite. I have an alt. I'll have mine here. I'll give my my award away here in a few seconds. Dave from the Vegas Golden Knights podcast sent us the home white Detroit Tigers jerseys, which I think for a lot of people, because it's so timely, or so timeless and classic with the script D Detroit logo. I think that would be on a lot of people's list, so I don't necessarily disagree with them. That's a very good choice. Because, like, a lot of your classic jerseys like that are always going to be classic, right? Your New York Rangers in the NHL, your New York Yankee pinstripes are always going to be classic. And tough to change, right? So I don't disagree with them there. And then we got a reply from Madison, who sent us the Mighty Ducks jerseys from the movie which if you were following the Anaheim Ducks Twitter account they tweeted out a picture of their of the team wearing those Mighty Ducks jerseys to the rink the green ones that they wore in the movie now i replied i said i want to see those for real on the ice instead of the reverse retro version which is like the weird animated duck with the that's white with the white jersey that is not as too crazy for me even Go back to the old school movie version, Anaheim Ducks. Do it. The world will be off, be better off for it. And of course, before we wrap up, my pick for my favorite sports jersey of all time was like a sentimental one to me. I still miss the Arizona Diamondbacks purple and teal. And they wear it from time to time, right, on their throwback nights. But boy, oh boy, do I still miss it. And so my pick is the purple and teal kind of sleeveless home jerseys that they wore during 2001, and specifically during Game 7 of that World Series, they wore the white sleeveless jerseys, the purple cap and the purple sleeves, and the kind of pinstripe look with just the the purple and teal logo. So good. Just, just so classic for me. I miss them. Why the Diamondbacks went to red, I'll never understand. Like, it was so unique. And I still think people miss it to this day. Same with the, and you can say the same thing about the Kachina logo and sweaters and colors. Like, people just get nostalgic about those now, and which is why it's kind of making a comeback, seemingly, between the Kachina black Kachina jersey during the 25th season and the reverse retro, too, is people just get nostalgic for those. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up this edition of Sporty with Corey and Richie. Thanks for uh, joining me on the solo adventure on the Monday here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hopefully I wasn't too negative there for a little bit. I was a little bit negative, but that's fine. Hopefully, I know you guys miss Corey. She'll be back on Thursday. With that said, follow the show on Twitter at Corey underscore Richie show. Follow me at rflores91. Follow Corey at Corey Nicole with two E's. Follow the network at HockeyPodNet. And, of course, if you are outside of the state of Arizona and you can play daily fantasy sports, you can download the DraftKings app, draftkings.com. You can sign up, use that promo code THPN, and you get a bunch of prizes and whatnot. Good night and good hockey, everybody.